Jordan Anderson. This is my podcast, and I do sincerely appreciate each and every one of you out there that is actually taking the time to listen to this. That is super awesome, and please continue to do so. And as you might expect, I'm going to get those plugs out of the way. So go ahead and hit the follow button if you haven't done so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, uh, simply titled at ScreenSpeak Podcast. You can also check out the YouTube channel, which is just called ScreenSpeak. There's some cool audio bites of episodes on there, and then eventual, I've said this in the last few episodes, but there will be eventual video support. Eventually, it takes some time to put these things together, so uh, just bear with me on that. And those are all the plugs, so please do one or or all of those things because it does help uh, support the show and it helps grow uh, this podcast into me not just talking into a black hole uh, in a room. So please and thank you. Okay, so I actually got another guest here with me today. I'm very excited. It is the the second lady uh, outside of my mother, so thank God for that. Uh, it is uh, Alexa uh, Gormley. Okay. Hello. Welcome. Hi. Hi. I am the other black hole that Jordan is currently speaking into. So that sounds uh, sounds strange when when you put <laughs> when, <laughs> when you, you put it that, that way. way. Um, but anyway, uh, just for the sake of the audience, how do how do I know you and all? Let's let's give some background. Well, I am dating your brother, if that helps. Uh, younger brother, right? Yes. Believe. Yes. Yeah, the baby. Yeah, I am yeah. Thomas's girlfriend. Can you talk him into coming on here? Well, I we considered him coming on this podcast, but he has not seen the movies um, in question. So I think he would be interested in coming on. He would probably talk about the Lord of the Rings trilogy, probably, but then that would be like a seven-hour podcast, so I'm not sure you're ready for that. Yeah. Um, I actually do plan on talking about those movies eventually, uh, but there's three of them, so it would likely be three episodes. Uh, I don't think I'd want to do like a two-parter for that type of thing, yeah. um, but I feel like I would definitely do that. The one I'm trying to get him to come on for, uh, excuse me, and his uh, his friend Kyle is Tokyo Drift. Yes. We, we, yeah. we would like to talk about Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. I've been waiting for the right time to get that out there, but eventually that will come. And it's going to be a, a, a rather silly episode. I would agree. Which one did I watch with you guys? Well, you, you've watched a couple movies with us. No, uh, which which Fast and Furious movie? Fast. Uh, did you watch Fast Five? No, it was one of... It was... Is Tokyo Drift 8? Is it number 8? No, no. The 8 is the Then we Then we watched 8. The one with like where like they're in where the snow they, and like the submarine. No, the one where they jump from building to building with. The oh, that's seven. 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 Okay. Yes. Well, I laughed through the entire thing because it's just awful. Yeah. Like it's it's just really bad. No car would ever do that, and I was really. Well, and you've never. I, have you not? You haven't seen any of the other ones. I had right? not seen any of the other ones at the time that we watched seven. I have now mm-hmm. seen one and two with Thomas, and those were better. But Seven was just, like, for someone that had not seen it, it made no mm-hmm. sense, and it was very... Kind of... It, it didn't make sense, because the cars are not supposed to be jumping... I don't know. It didn't make sense in terms of physics, but I'm not a physicist, so... I mean, neither am I. Um, Fast and Furious, I think I... Uh, might have been, like, the first or second episode. I, I mentioned that they are... One or I actually I can't even promise that all the movies would be talked about. That would be too many episodes to dedicate <laughs> yeah. to Fast and Furious. So if I do it, uh, it will just be probably Tokyo Drift or maybe a couple of the films. But the point is, um, eventually, 
it's it's worth talking about there's some there's some shit to unpack i think so sure. i think it would be good to maybe do it as like an overarching arc or maybe like a two-part series but i don't think you could dedicate like mm. an episode to every single movie. no no that that would be a bit overkill yes but so the movie that we're here to talk about today um technically speaking it's two movies <laughs> be- because and and this was your idea i just want to yes. i just want to point that out there for the sake of this episode, because I, I've explained the format to Alexa before we hit record on this, I do tend to focus on just one movie if I can help it, but um, because I she has me intrigued for what she wants to talk about on this, uh, there's going to be another movie that will be mentioned here a little bit later on. But for the time being, we're going to talk about the movie Gattaca, uh, which came out in October of, I had a note for it here, uh, October of 1997. Got Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, Jude Law, uh, Gore Vidal's in it. Alan Arkin, I think, is a supporting uh, supporting dude in it. And apparently, according to this, Tony Shalhoub, the guy from that Monk TV show, plays his character's name is German. I don't I don't even know if that's accurate. But anywho, um, I'm gonna read the synopsis here just uh, so people can get a sense of the story, and then we're gonna open it up. So here we go. So Vincent Freeman, that's played by Ethan Hawke. He has always been fantasizing about traveling into outer space, but has been grounded by his status as genetically inferior or invalid. And he decides to fight his fate by purchasing the genes of Jerome Morrow, played by the beautiful Jude Law, I guess. Which, I want to talk about that, actually. People think he's, like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people, like, like highly regard him as, like, a beautiful man or something. That's it's a little strange. I think he has a strange receding hairline. But yeah, we can get into that. But anywho, um, so let's see. I was talking about this, and then I made the weird comment about Jude Law, um, a labor, a laboratory engineered uh, valid. So he's trying to take the genes of Jude Law's character because it's going to make him valid to be able to go into space. If I am saying it right. Mm-hmm. So then he assumes Jerome's DNA identity and joins the Gattaca space program where he falls in love with Irene, that's played by Uma Thurman, and then an investigation happens in the movie into the death of a Gattaca officer, that's played by Gore Vidal, which complicates Vincent's uh, overall plans. And there's actually a lot more going on beneath the surface of this movie. Like, there's, it's actually a very smart movie, if I remember right. And I admit before uh, before hitting record on this, I did admit to Alexa that I have seen Gattaca a couple of times, but it has been a while since I've watched it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully your memory is a bit better. But I guess the first thing I would ask is just why you wanted to talk about Gattaca. Well, I will admit coming on this podcast was probably not something that would be like in my wheelhouse because I do not... Um like movies very much i have a very short attention span and um very poorly managed adhd so i tend to get up and like leave especially if i'm watching movies in my own home i will get up and like do something else and just totally like space out so if it's a movie that i go back to more than once i consider it one of my favorite movies because i have very few movies that i have seen more than once and gattaca is one of them so i would say my top like Oh, I can't even list probably... My top three movies right now are probably Gattaca... In no particular order, Gattaca, Contagion, and The Game. And The Game is actually a different movie that I just recently got into. I love The Game. Yes, and we watched it together. That was quite a fun experience. I I do have to mention real quick just about The Game. I don't mean to detract. (laughs) 
but I, I saw my mom today actually, and she I, I told her that you were gonna come on the podcast and whatnot, and she's like, "Are you guys gonna talk about that shit movie that we watched together?" <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And, uh, and she's like, "That one with Michael Douglas." <laughs> No, that movie I just recently found, and when I came over, I thought I really enjoyed it, so I thought, oh, maybe yeah. Thomas's mom will like it, and I asked Thomas. Thomas had not seen the movie, and he mm-hmm. thought that your mom might enjoy it, which yeah. we were wildly mistaken on that front. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, the game is actually definitely one I would actually love to talk about in a future episode, because it's a, it's a great movie. That is also a very smart movie. Yes, yes. I think it is. Though I will say the game is one of those movies that... Now, I, I have seen it, and I've since rewatched it since, you know, it's come out, and I've seen it a yeah. couple times, but it is definitely one of those movies where the first watch is the best, yes. just because you don't know the ending. Yes, and then, I, but every, I will say I've watched it several times since I first saw it, which is strange for me, because I don't watch movies very often, and I've had a different thought every time I've watched it. But maybe I'll have to come back and talk about the game because I have a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah, movie. no, that's like you're you're more than welcome to come back. I'm I'm always happy to have people on this, uh, yeah. especially people that have some interesting perspective on movies, even if you're not a movie person. Yeah, I feel like I've had to explain that actually to a few people I've had on just before, and and people I'm trying to get on is that like you don't have to be some super smart cinephile to be here. Yeah, like that's not really like the point of the show. The point is to try to draw on some of the interesting themes and ideas in movies and and just give some authentic perspective on them. I mean, that's really ultimately what I'm going for. Yeah, I actually have an interesting experience with Gattaca because the very first time I saw it was freshman year of high school in biology. We watched it as an extra credit assignment. And so I wouldn't necessarily say that Gattaca is the, like, uh, most educational movie that you could be watching, um, especially in freshman year biology. I don't. Re- I really think it was just because my teacher was too lazy to teach for a couple days. Um, but that's where I first saw the movie, and I really enjoyed it. And I could have been doing much more boring things during uh, freshman year biology. So I'm glad we watched Gattaca, and then I have seen it. I want to say three or four more times since then. Wow. Because I really um, like Gattaca. No, well, I know, uh, interestingly enough, the first time I saw it was also high school. Really? Yeah, I don't know what class. I would likely say it was probably like a biology or something, but I distinctly remember it being shown to us in high school huh. because of, I, I guess because of its like commentary on just genetics and, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a dystopian movie for sure, from what I remember, and it's it's playing around with interesting concepts about, like, you know, who is, like, is someone better just based off, like, their biology and things like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I just remember the first time I saw it was in school, but again, it's been a while since I've seen it. I remember it being a smart movie, but yeah. what about the movie is, like, I guess, do you connect with? Well, for those of you, because probably most people listening do not know me very well, I'm an animal science major in college, so I'm very interested in biology kind of in general. And this movie, again, is about, like, eugenics. And even though it's about humans, it's still applicable. Um, I still th- I think genetics are very interesting because in the world of animal science, we definitely don't look at genetics in the same way as we do with humans. And so to see it kind of almost in an animal perspective is interesting. What I mean by that is that um we call it eugenics with when we select humans to have specific genetics and it's seen as a negative but then in the animal science industry we select animals and it's just called like not either natural selection or 
um, genetic selection specifically for traits that are, you know, heritable and advantageous. So I, to me, it's interesting, and I know it's probably not that way to most people that view this movie, but it's interesting because that is seen as a positive in my industry and seen as a negative in the terms of humans, if that makes sense. Well, which, which, which part of it is the positive, I guess? Like, the positive and the negative? Oh, okay. I mean, like, um, with animals, we're, we're going to select, like, say you have a dairy cow. You're always going to be selecting. We have no problem removing animals that are genetically inferior from the herd to because they're not going to make money. They're not profitable. If they're not going to produce milk, then they're not worth anything to us, and we just remove them from the herd. If you did that with people... If you said this person is going to have a genetic disease, say like cystic fibrosis, they're going to be no use to us. We're just going to remove them from the herd that is humanity. Mm -hmm. That is a huge problem. Like that's a big red flag to anyone. So I just think it's very interesting that that is not that I have any problem with it, obviously, in terms of animals. But I just think it's very interesting that there's that that hard divide. Yeah, and I, you know, I guess I hadn't really thought of it like that. But again, I it's been a while since I've seen it, but I do know that it's. There's a lot of moral uh, morality questions in the movie about like kind of like you know what makes someone worthy or unworthy and and maybe and again you're gonna have to refresh my memory on this but don't they also use like the genetics like also for like kind of like to like help dictate like what job you're able to do because like that that plays a role in it right yeah so in the very beginning of the movie you well i don't know if it's the beginning but at some point in the movie it goes back and flashes back to vince the main character his creation um, that his parents went back, actually, it wasn't the creation of Vince, it was the creation of his brother, who they were unhappy that Vince had been created naturally. And they wanted a brother that was genetically superior <clears throat> to Vince. So you see, you know, little Vince, like, in the you know, in the hospital setting or whatever, mm. with his parents, and they're like, we're unhappy because he's so you know inferior we made him on accident naturally let's make a good one basically i see yeah so that's kind of the the beginning of it um i don't know it kind of circles back but we can we can get to that because that's at the very end i don't know if you remember what specific incident i'm talking about Mm, i i know that they there's some there's some big scene that happens with swimming I know. Yeah. And because like like Vincent races, I think, or he, mm-hmm. he's like he trained races. as swimmer. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I'll fill that in for you. So Vince yeah. is actually not the swimmer. It okay. was Jerome, who Jerome is the one that. That's Jude Law. Yes. Okay. And that is the guy that has the superior <clears throat> genetics, but he was in a car accident. Okay, then no, that's yeah. right. Because yeah, he's in a wheelchair. Yes, but he was that. a swimmer. Yeah. He was like supposed to go to the Olympics, like huge you know, had really nice genetics and everything, Mm -hmm. in car accident, nothing that was going to, you know, basically nothing that would taint his genetics, Mm -hmm. but it also wasn't documented. That was the thing. It wasn't documented that he was paralyzed, and Mm -hmm. that was how they were able to get around the the morality of stealing his identity. Because if it would have been documented that he was paralyzed, then when Vincent tried to take his identity, they would have seen, oh, he's supposed to be paralyzed, why is he not paralyzed? I see. Hmm. That is, that's very, I mean, yeah, Gattaca is a very smart movie. Yes. Yeah, it's a very smart movie. Uh, Andrew and Nicole, we actually talked about, um, uh, have you ever seen the movie Lord of War? No. So he wrote and directed that as well. Okay. And it's got Nicolas Cage when 
I'd say like pre kind of crazy Nicholas Cage. Nicolas Cage. Okay. Um, but no, he he's a he's a very smart uh, writer and director, and and yeah. So um, I'm I'm trying to think. Um, the other the other thing I want I want to get into it now yeah. if yep. we can. Yep. So I mentioned that we're going to talk about another movie on here. So you told me because I had asked I, you know I asked you if you wanted to be on the podcast and pretty quickly you told me that you wanted to talk about the comparisons yeah. between Gattaca and an animated movie with Bruce Willis as a raccoon yep. called Over the Head or oh, Over the Hedge Over the Hedge yes yeah. Yeah. Um, well you're gonna have to fill me in yeah. and, and and the audience to to what you're you're getting at with that. Because yeah. I, 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 be honest, I've seen Over the Hedge, like, probably parts of it. I don't even know if I've seen the whole thing. Yeah. But you got my curiosity, so go ahead and tell me what is the comparison that you see. Okay, so first a little background, because probably most of your viewers have seen it, but maybe not for, like, 10 or 15 years. It's a possibility. It came out, I believe, in 2006 or 2007. It's from one of those DreamWorks movies that came out after the big Shrek boom, and everyone was like, wow, DreamWorks, and then DreamWorks kind of went... Uh, 2006. Yeah, 2006. So, basically, the plot of Over the Hedge is... There's a lot of really cool actors in this movie, actually. Like, Steve Carell is hammy, and I love hammy. And Avril Lavigne's in this movie as a sexy porcupine, so... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and uh, Ozzy the, the Turtle, right? That's yes. William Shatner. The, yeah. You know, uh, what is it, Captain Kirk. Uh, who else is in this? Wanda Sykes. Nick Nolte, the guy who sounds like he has smoked 50 packs of cigarettes. Wait, Eugene Levy's in this? I guess And Eugene. Catherine O'Hara? Are you kidding? Yeah, both of them Have from... Have you seen uh, Schitt's Creek? I, I I've seen Schitt's two seasons of Schitt's Creek. I do enjoy Schitt's Creek. Uh, what? Okay, well, we're going to detract for a second. Schitt's Creek, um, what, I guess, what do you enjoy about that show? What's the, what's the thing you enjoy most? Or the character that you like the most? Ooh, the character that I like the most <clears throat> would have to be... I really think Moira is so funny when she's having her, like, mental breakdowns. My yeah. specific favorite scene is in the very, very first season when she has her, like, it's in, like, episode two or three. She has a breakdown, and they take her to the to the uh. diner, and she's sitting there, and Alexis goes, <laughs> wait here, and she leaves, and literally 30 seconds, not, not 30 seconds, <laughs> two seconds later, she goes, I'm really bored, and gets up and walks away. <laughs> that is my favorite part. I love Moira. I and know. Catherine O'Hara <clears throat> is brilliant. Catherine O'Hara is absolutely brilliant. Uh, she's great in Home Alone, uh, Beetlejuice. Uh, there's... Uh, she was in Second City. Uh, she was basically a Canadian SNL show. That's I'm not sure if you've seen that. No. But anywho, yeah, she's an amazing lady. But I will say just real quick, and yeah. then we'll get back to Over the Hedge and Gattaca. Um, Schitt's Creek, I, I haven't seen the whole thing, but it's early, probably first, first season. There's a great part where uh, they're all kind of settled into their shitty motel that they have to live in. And I think Mo it is Moira. She says, uh, she's like, I'm going to go ahead and take... Like a bunch of medication, and if I'm lucky, I won't wake up yes. tomorrow. Yes, I love <laughs> I, I'm, not, that. I'm not saying the quote correctly, but just that very dark, cynical humor, um, and and just like she she plays like the really uppity rich woman, yes. like well, she's crazy. Once you've yes. seen the whole, and to anyone that's listening, if you've seen all of Shit's Creek, you need to go on Netflix and watch the 
Like, there's, like, an hour-long special. I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically, like, them talking about the Mm. creation of the show. It is so good, and listening to the creation of Moira Mm. as a character is super interesting because apparently Catherine O'Hara just walked onto set, and they were like, do something crazy, and she just started speaking, (laughs) and they were like, that, that is it. So Moira was not written to have that, like, weird accent. Okay. But she does, and I think that's... That's pretty cool. I'm always fascinated. I mean, I could talk about this for great length, but I am, I'm actually like super fascinated with actors process and how they, whatever they draw inspiration from or how they develop a character. Cause it's something I think that goes underappreciated in, in so many different movies and shows is like someone's like, doesn't just show up and like, right. that's what they do. I mean, like they put prep into the voice, the inflection, how they walk, how they move, the, 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 the backstory, like everything. Right. Um, It'd be really interesting. I know for Shit's Creek, the probably the most interesting fact about that show to me is just the fact that it was co-created from father and son. Yes, I didn't um, even know that. I felt stupid yeah. when I watched that, and I was like, "You're kidding! They are actually related." I'm very. It's really young. cool. Yeah. And I just think it's like it'd be strange, like if I if I think about that, it's like if you work with your dad, like on a show, you know what I mean? Like you're you're working together and being creative, collaborate. You're you're collaborating together, but like it's your dad, like. I, I can't even, like, wrap my head around that. Yeah, me collaborating with, with my dad would just be, like, a turf war because we were both... I can't speak for you, but I my dad and I are both very similar, and so we would be fighting yeah. on who was doing what, and we would be, like, trying to steamroll each other. Mm, so it's probably for the best that you guys don't have a show together. Yeah. Yeah, we probably shouldn't do that. Although Thomas was over at our house last night, and we mm. were watching old family videos this is really not related to movies at all but we um back when i was young like from the ages of like 7 to 12 i want to say we didn't send out christmas cards we sent out christmas cards that had like a link to a website we had a website like just like a family website yeah it was literally like gormleyfamily.com or something like that (laughs) and it would be a link to a video and my dad produced like these really elaborate videos there was one where i was like a news reporter and i basically like gave us a story of like our entire year and then there was one where we did the fan the gormley family christmas album and he be- you guys have a christmas album yes. he was like and you'll reminisce to the tender of yuletide hits like jingle bell rock rocking around the christmas tree and grand canyon and we had like gone to the grand canyon and so i like sang a song that my dad wrote to jingle bells but it was like the Grand Canyon is real big and in winter it's cold like it was so like it was so elaborate and I don't even want to say it's dumb because it was really brilliant on my dad's part like does he still have this stuff yes we have them we still have them how did he like you got my curiosity now I promise we're gonna go back to the movies but this is too interesting to, to skip how did he like edit them like my dad used windows movie maker because mind you when i was like 11 the thing for video editing was windows movie maker absolutely so all of these things are like in windows movie maker there was a part where he wanted to do you know at the end of like you know medicine commercials where they're like side effects man yeah and they talk really fast yes he made me do one of those and then he sped it up intentionally so it sounded like i was like you know just running through stuff my dad Dad, you're not listening to this, but he, I love you, but he is nuts. Like, he is really he's strange. Yeah. yeah. And he thought that, that we needed to make videos because doing a Christmas card was not enough. Not enough for our family. 
to be f- okay, so there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack with this. So, I mean, one, I would say as far as like the whole Christmas card thing goes, now granted, I think it depends on the family dynamic, how tight you guys are or if it's a big family, where it's all going to, blah blah blah. I've never really understood it, I guess. Like it just seems like okay, like we're going to get like a picture together, maybe like write like some some families do like a newsletter with yeah, it, like they like include a, what you did this year. Yeah, and like I mean, I'm sure some people maybe care about that, but I feel like most people, it's just like they're going to open it. Oh, look at this picture. It's going to go on the fridge, and now I'm going to throw this thing in the garbage. Yeah. But the video thing's interesting. Kind of seems like ahead of his time on that. Though maybe yeah. not a lot of people would appreciate it. And, and for all I know, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's just a little too weird. I mean, maybe. maybe, maybe, maybe. As creative as it is, it I could don't, be weird. You know, that's a great thing because uh, last thing I'll say about this, when I left elementary school i had a great experience in elementary school like we loved all my teachers like i went to a fantastic elementary school and so my parents were like how can we thank these people for like you know raising our child from like five until 11 or whenever you leave elementary school right so they had me do a fake you know when when newscasters are like done at a station they do like a highlight reel of them like doing really yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so they did that with like one news story but it was one event that happened every single year that i was in school and i was the newscaster and i was in a different outfit for every every one of them like my parents orchestrated this and then here's the thing they gave it to all of the teachers that i ever had like as a dvd cool cool of them or like a cd yeah that's nice cool of them my principal liked it so much that she asked my parents if she could show it at a school assembly so Mm. think about this i was in fifth grade at the time like getting ready to like go to middle school and everyone else in that elementary school were either teachers or anyone under the age of 11 right so anyone that was like not a teacher or maybe some of the fifth graders would have no idea what they were watching so our principal subjected them to watch me do this really attention-grabbing video that my parents wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I had to sit there and watch it also. That is bizarre. It is a little bizarre. You can ask yeah. Thomas about that because he I'm definitely it. going to. He viewed it last evening. So What, what were his thoughts? I mean, um, what, what did he, he think about he it? He laughed, but he, I don't yeah. think he was going to say anything because both my parents were also watching it with him. So, I, I mean, he oh, was going to okay. be so like... He's got a little bit of pressure. Yeah, he to... was going to be like, this sucks. This, mm. this is weird. Yeah. Mm. He also, you know, was doing the Thomas thing and probably not paying attention. Yeah, he's interesting on that. He is. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, but it's... It's not for the podcast, but no, it's... we'll dive into that some other time. Yeah, for, for sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. Back to back to Over the very Hedge. Interesting. <laughs> I, that was a very interesting squirrel moment, which it applies to Over the Hedge. Yes, it really does. It. Like, I did I mention earlier that I have poorly managed ADHD? There you go. That was prime it's, example number one. It's okay. I think you might actually fit in with podcasts well. <laughs> okay, so back to Over the Hedge. If yes. you've not seen it, basically the main character, which is RJ the raccoon... Um, basically wakes a sleeping bear trying to get food for hibernation, which I want to say the best part of this entire movie is the fact that all of the animals that are going to hibernation Mm -hmm. do not hibernate. So they're supposed to be hibernating, but they they do not. Squirrels don't hibernate, but Hammy the squirrel is like freaking out about hibernating, right? Okay. Raccoons don't hibernate. Okay. So I just want to put that out there. There's a lot of animal in incorrectness 
that, that's not the word I'm... Well, it is an animated movie. It is an animated movie. Not to say yeah. that every animated movie needs to be a cartoon. There can be realistic ones, I yes. suppose. Yeah, but anyway, I just yeah. find that to be hilarious, personally. Right. So, wakes the bear and is stealing food. Mm-hmm. And the bear gets mad and <clears throat> says, you know, when I... I was hibernating currently when you just woke me up. I'm going to go back to sleep, but by the time I wake up, all my food needs to be back. Okay. Because okay, yeah, yeah. after hibernation, you know, they normally eat, like, a lot. Yes. Yes. So then RJ, the raccoon, is freaking out. Like, how am I going to get all this food? He's going to kill me if I don't, you know, get all this food back. In a way, it's kind of like the uh, like a bug's life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a way. Because like, the, the grasshoppers are going to come and kill him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he basically rounds up this little gang of other animals. There, You know, there's the porcupines and the squirrel and the turtle and there's you know skunks and other animals rounds them up and is like i need to come up with a plan to get all this food back but i can't do it myself so he's gonna make all his little minions do it basically he's trying to outsmart these little dumb animals right so the reason it's called over the hedge is because they have to get over this hedge to enter into suburbia to get get all the food from the humans right yeah they end up calling the hedge Steve, so I don't know if you, you probably, well, you said you haven't seen the movie in a very long time. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I don't think I've even seen the whole thing. That's a core scene in the movie that they name the hedge Steve, and that naming the hedge Steve makes it easier for them to cross the hedge because they have, um, you know, they've personified mm-hmm. the hedge, so now they're like, okay, we're brave enough to cross the hedge. They cross the hedge. RJ acts like, and RJ's the raccoon, if I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah. Acts like he knows everything about suburbia. Later it comes out that he really doesn't know that much. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of one of the other central plot lines. But basically, um, cahoots all these animals into stealing food for him. They blow up a house somehow. Like, it's really kind of a wild movie. Right. It kind of feels like you're on acid. Granted, I've never done acid, but I would imagine that this movie is kind of what doing acid feels like. That is interesting. I would not know if there's a comparison on that, but I have to ask, where's the Gattaca tie-in? Well, because be... you said that there's a there's a comparison. Yeah, so I'll be completely candid on the podcast here and podcast. I am 21. I was drunk when I sent that text. I believe to One... me. To me. Yes, wanting to compare them. <laughs> and okay. Here, and here's why. Because. <laughs> Because in Over the Hedge, right, they've got this kind of um, other world of the superior people, but also there's like a second class of animals that are smarter, like the bears and the raccoons. And the raccoon is taking advantage of all of the dumb animals, like Hammy the squirrel, which is one of like the main characters, to get what he needs without having to do the work. Right. Which is not exactly how Gattaca is, but Gattaca, you've got that second tier of people yes. that get stuck doing the shit work. Like the yeah. janitor has mm-hmm. bad genetics, right? So that's one <clears throat> of the right, like, right. you know kind of main themes of the movie. So when I sent that message, that's what I was referring to. <laughs> this is good to know because <laughs> I definitely didn't waste like a bunch of time trying to like understand the comparisons. I admit I I actually googled a couple of times. I was like, okay, Gattaca over the hedge. Is somebody else thinking that there's a comparison? No. I no, I didn't find no, anything. No one else is thinking that. Okay. But when I had that thought, so it's purely about the animals and like their their classification together. Yeah. 
Yep, how they think that they are either um, smarter or, like, there's that kind of scary okay. race. Like, the bears are using their power as big burly animals to manipulate other animals into doing stuff. And it's kind of that trickle-down effect of big, strong, can do anything, then smart has to make dumb do everything else. So dumb gets stuck, Okay, if that makes any sort of sense. No, I, I think it does. So the, the question I, I have, and, and I, I am going to probably lean into your animal science education, so yeah. to speak, maybe. I mean, don't feel like I'm putting you on the spot and you have to like cite me off a bunch of exact you know uh, uh, knowledge. Yeah. But on the subject of genetics, mm -hmm. with... Let's 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 first talk about animals, and then I want to talk about people. Okay. But genetically speaking, for animals, now I imagine their DNA and everything like that is there's probably some similarities between humans. In all honesty. Oh yeah. Uh, but I guess where where is the distinction? I guess between like good genetics and an animal and bad genetics, and like what is the purpose of like knowing it? Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of, in terms of animals, you want to split it into four of the terms of animal science majors. If you want to get into, like, animal ecology, that's wildlife. <clears throat> animal science is only domestic animals. And then domestic animals mm. fall into two categories. You've got companion animals. That would be, like, horses, dogs, cats, hamsters. The ones you pet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, like, livestock. So mm -hmm. pigs, cows, whatever right so if you're talking about companion animals usually genetics are not as much of a problem or as much of a thing that we focus on because we're really uh maybe like say horses horses are considered companion animals we want good genetics if we're going to be racing horses right okay in livestock <clears throat> it's a big big deal because genetics are what we make money on all right Okay. So we can predict what's going to what an animal is going to produce based on their genetics. So we we can tell you know we can estimate about how much milk a dairy cow is going to produce even when they're babies just based on their genetics. Okay, so let me ask then with with let's say just cows because yeah. you know we're talking about that. Yeah, sure. Um, if a cow has really good genetics i mean like is that kind of the dividing line between a cow that's going to produce a lot of milk and like does a bad genetic cow not i mean what does a bad genetic cow do not necessarily <clears throat> because you can have strengths and weaknesses in different areas you could have a poor milking cow but it could have fantastic genetics no incidents of you know autoimmune disease no lameness issues no like Overall, great cow, fantastic, gonna live for 15 years, but produces no milk. How long do cows live for? Just... Cows, cows live an average of about 15 years if they're, but only, I want to make this clear, only in captivity. A cow would never live that long in the wild because we're doing things to them, like giving them medicine, keeping them safe from predators, that sort of thing. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very, like, I, I have a lot of questions about, about cows on that, but, yeah. um, Let's go to people then. Okay. I mean, I realize there's probably more that we could talk about with like the genetic differences yes. in animals and yeah. like what they're used for, but people, mm -hmm. I guess, what are your thoughts on genetics and the role they play in a person? I mean, like how, in, how important do you think genetics are? And I, and I, I will be very blunt and honest on this. I don't know shit about genetics. Yeah. Not really. I mean, I know what they are, but 
I could not probably tell you a lot about it, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, so in general, if I want to say that for animals, genetics are extremely important for humans, I want to say that they're rarely applicable, if that makes sense. And why so? Times that times that genetics would be applicable is a genetic disease. So if you say you have a child, you and your partner have a child together naturally and it has cystic fibrosis. What I'm sorry, what is cystic fibrosis? Cystic fibrosis is a genetic condition um in which basically your lungs produce too much mucus and you can't clear it out and so you're constantly basically drowning on your own lungs. I'm drowning on boogers? Yeah, kind of if you want to say it like that. I I'm sorry. Okay. I, yes, I, yes. I you're drowning in mucus and the other thing is uh, part of the reason mucus clears itself from your system and that's part of how our immune system works. Okay. If you can't clear mucus, you will constantly have infection in your lungs. So people with cystic fibrosis that get a cold it can quickly turn into pneumonia, bronchitis, something that could become very, very serious. Okay. So okay. they tend to have a lot of upper respiratory problems, um, but that's not really important to this. Yeah. It's a genetic <clears throat> condition. So if you have one child that has cystic fibrosis, you and your partner need to get a genetic panel run because likely... Okay, whoa, whoa. What's a genetic panel run? You can you can get your genetics, you can get your <clears throat> genotype done at a doctor's office though okay i don't know how how that works i'm not but super it, into that. you can do it you can do it and okay. it's much less expensive than it used to be hmm. like even 10 years ago it was like wow that's not something that most people are gonna do but right. anyone most anyone that has a child with a genetic um condition or someone with a known genetic condition can get their genotype mapped for you know a reasonable price with insurance and it's actually recommended for most people with genetic conditions hmm. um just because you know what you're going to pass on because a lot of things are recessive <clears throat> and so the chance of you passing it on if your partner does not have that gene yeah. is very low so then it's you know it's safe but if your partner also has that gene then you're going to cause okay. problems Okay, so I this is this is actually very very interesting. I mean, like I I'm, one I'm glad I have you on because uh, like I mean I'm not just saying this because you're here. You're smart, clearly, um, <clears throat> but I'm curious about genetics when you talk about passing it on to mm -hmm. someone else. Now I don't know a ton about this. I mean I've heard kind of things before where I mean I think. I might not be saying this correctly, but, like, and this is going to be a bit of a reach, but I know, like, one of the big things, like, in World War II with, like, Nazis is, like, they were very, like, mindful of, like, the perfect race and, like, trying to, like, mate with, like, you know, people that had the ideal yeah. genetics. Like, they talked about that thing a lot. Um, I guess from what you can tell me with you, what you know about, you know, your background in science, uh, even if it is animal science, I'm sure you know stuff about people. Yeah. Um, how much, like do we know for sure like gets passed along from a person to another person i mean just genetically speaking i mean genetics in the last 10 years have taken a we've taken huge strides forward yeah. and we can map the entire human gene genome quite quickly yeah. and for like i said quite a low cost which to me indicates that we've gotten it to the point where it's not so much of a hassle for our scientists anymore mm -hmm. um so it's pretty easy to see where things come from. I think the the problem kind of lies in 
if something pops up and they're not sure if it's genetically linked. Right. If they know it's genetically linked, it's very, very easy to find it because you can say, okay, we have to go to this this genome and we have to look at this specific spot and mm-hmm. they can they can look for it. But when you find something new or something that you're not sure is genetically linked, and there are a lot of things that um, overlap, it's not it's not black and white. I wouldn't expect it to be. Right. So, you know, an, a quick example would be you mix a white and a black dog together. You might come out with a black dog. You might come out with a gray dog. You might come out with a white dog. And they might all have kind of similar but overlapping genes, if mm. that makes sense. Right, yeah. So it's it's very hard when it comes to things that are, are linked to one another to determine where where that lies well for people are there things that we know like for sure like a hundred percent certainty that we know for sure get passed from people to people oh yeah like what cystic fibrosis that's a that's okay. a great i mean like what else like hair color yeah. you know oh, like body yeah. mass like yes. I, I don't know yes. everything your <clears throat> everything that you have is a combination of your parents this isn't random right so your hair color is linked your eye color is linked your mm-hmm. height your body type your you know everything even okay. personality has been shown to be linked genetically well i can see that yeah, yeah. i mean like I, I i can definitely say i have a self-awareness of myself that there are traits of my father and also my mother that i yeah. definitely recognize within well, myself and then there's that nature versus nurture kind of thing yeah. um that it's it's really hard to study things like personality but it's a lot easier in things like uh when we do it on animals you can test temperament and it's a lot easier to test it in in animals than it is people and so we were able to use animals to kind of confirm what we thought about people right um but it's really difficult with people because social interactions are so much of what impacts us as you know social our personality yeah and i'm 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 curious too so like let's say like in a hypothetical situation there is a family let's say it's like a three generation family you know i'm just talking out my ass but say there's like a three generation family of just like bad genetics like you know i don't know like they're like let's just say like they're obese like they're not super smart or they don't go to college i i don't know like they just don't have a lot of good luck with their genetics yeah is it is there some sort of consistency or 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 proven theory that would like show like that you know that family line or lineage is going to be destined to be bad the entire time or can they break free from a bad genetic line does that does that make sense well, you have to think that it is pretty one-sided. So, okay. obviously it takes two to make a child. So, unless you, they are intermingling with each other, which is going to cause a lot of problems, you're always going to have... Now, intermingling, is that inbreeding? Yes. Okay, I just want to make yeah, sure. Yes. Okay. So, okay. unless they were creating children with each other, hmm. you're always going to be bringing in new blood. So, that's why it's really hard to determine... Um, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a determining factor. Right. If it's going to determine their success or their positivity, but obviously all of these things are very linked. So if you have two parents that are extremely obese, yeah, you're going to be at very high risk of being obese. But you also have to think about the social factors that go into that. Mm-hmm. If your parents are obese, you're probably going to be raised in a household where your diet is not the greatest and then if that's the case then you're going to end up being obese anyway so what's the difference then 
that's the that's the part where you have to think of well what if we put in a child that is not at all related what what mm. is the difference between those two children in yeah. that situation that's very interesting it's it's hard because there's a lot of factors involved well in that. i was curious uh, you know you, I'm, I'm just going to keep asking you questions on this because it's okay. it's very interesting and i still think it applies to gattaca because they talk about i mean it's very a genetically focused movie yeah um do you know if a lot of couples, I mean, whether they're married or not married, like the ones that are like, you know, having kids or they're planning on having kids, like, do, do you think people have like an awareness of this stuff or like they like openly talk about it? Like, hey, like what kind of genetics do you have, honey or, you know, whatever? Yeah. Well, you, you know, think about it. You go to a doctor's office for a first time for, you know, any number of reasons. A lot yeah. of the time they ask you family history and that's just a very basic way of determining genetics but like if your great-grandfather has a history of heart disease that's one thing but if your great-grandfather <clears throat> your grandfather your father yeah. all have a history of heart disease then there's going to be kind of a red flag that's like all right you probably have some genetic mm -hmm. predisposition to heart disease yeah so i think in the case of couples looking to have children if you have a known family history of something mm -hmm. or if you yourself know that you have a genetic condition or have siblings or someone very closely related to you with a genetic condition mm -hmm. that might be the case where they might you know take a look at it but i don't think yeah. in general most people are thinking about that well, that's what i was kind of thinking too is like even if i don't know two well-educated people had like a very rational good conversation like they laid out the pros and cons they laid out their family history from what they can tell blah 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 i don't know i mean obviously like a a real relationship is very emotionally based i mean obviously there's like physical attraction and things right. like that that play a part into it but i guess i have to assume that a lot of people out there probably like even if they had I don't know, a history of obesity or mental illness or something along those lines, they still probably roll the dice. They right? might. Yeah, and again, a lot of that is situational. Like, a lot of people can be, <clears throat> you know, grow up obese yeah. or maybe have type 2 diabetes, which is not not the one that you have forever. That's the one that you can... Um, you can get rid of or manage through diet and exercise. Okay, yes. So maybe that's something that they grew up with, but say that they decided, hey, I want to get out of this cycle. I want to change my life and become healthy. Right. Just because they were maybe genetically predisposed to being obese, if they live that healthy lifestyle, then their children are not going to become obese. And here's just a random fun fact. All of your fat cells that you have are built before puberty and are filled before puberty. So people who are obese as children are much more likely to be obese as adults, no matter how hard they try to lose weight as adults. So that's why childhood obesity is such a large problem. Hmm. That was very random, but that is something that I learned recently that I thought was super interesting. No, I mean, like, I, I, I think when you stop and take a look at genetics as a subject, I think there's a lot more to it than what people would realize. And I, I also think that... The, the average Joe Schmo, which I would probably factor myself under that category for this subject, uh, would most likely, when they talk about genetics, would talk about what we've been kind of talking about, just the, the family passing and, you know, that whole thing. But the scientific level of it is a, it's, it's a deep subject, and I think that we're still learning a lot of things about it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, do you know why the movie's called Gattaca? Actually, I, <laughs> I do not know. Okay. okay, so the movie is called Gattaca because um 
in your DNA helix, so, you know, it's the the classic double-stranded, you know, when yeah. you think of DNA, the, you know, the curly ladder. Dino thing. DNA. Yeah. The Jurassic Park. I, I, I'm showing my yeah. intelligence right okay. now. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. But that helical DNA, there okay. are um, four bases that go into building your DNA. Yeah. And Is there, are they called base pairs? Yes. Hey, I, yeah. knew, I knew something. And <laughs> their names are G, G, C, T, and A. Okay. Well, they have full names, but, you know, they're labeled as G, C, T, and A. And mm-hmm. in a configuration, those are the letters that make up Gattaca. Oh, Okay. I didn't know so that. that is where that comes from, which I think mm. is kind of an interesting nod to DNA because that's not something they explicitly like say. Obviously, they're not going to be in their movie like, "Hey, did you know that the title of this movie is Gattaca because of base pairs and DNA?" That'd be interesting if they turned to the camera, broke yeah. through the fourth wall, and they're just like, "By the way, yeah, by <laughs> the way." Um, but no, that is why it's called Gattaca, and I think it's very. I, I always found that very interesting. Well, it's a, it's and well and also I, I mean I'll just say for for Gattaca from what I know Andrew and Nicole it's a it's a totally original movie. It is not based off a book. It's not no. based off anything. It, it's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, the very beginning intro you see DNA. They're looking through microscopes and stuff and looking at different cells and it's like mm-hmm. you know it's very cheesy like. Guys, we're gonna be talking about DNA, but then you also see the base pairs floating around, and then right. that is that's how they form Gattaca. So if you haven't seen the intro mm-hmm. to that, or if you don't remember the intro, they they basically highlight okay. to make it spell out Gattaca. Now I don't remember because um, I did I did want to touch on Uma Thurman, uh, her character in in the movie and whatnot, because yeah. if I remember right, her genetics are like good, yeah, like like, like she has the ideal genetics, like yes. she's she's good to go. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke, he's lying, you know, yes. using false genetics, but they still fall in love. She finds out about it, right? Yes, she does find out about it. And I can't remember, like, does that tear them apart? Does she not care? And, like, they're kind of, like, doing that that moral question where it's just, like, even if you know someone has crap genetics, you're still just like, ah, like, whatever. Yeah, I and, I, and her character was also very concerned with, because she also worked for that same company. They, yes. they, were, they were in essentially the same position at this job, mm-hmm. and she was kind of getting tossed to the side by her boss, and um, Vincent, who was known as Jerome at work, was yes. kind of being, like, you know, very much put on this pedestal. He was the top star, and she would be like, boss, boss, look at this. I have this really nice thing that I've got, and he'd kind of be like, meh, whatever. And so she was always kind of very frustrated with this. So once she learned that he did not have the valid genetics, she was very much torn with, do I rat him out? Because that would put me in a better position. Mm -hmm. And essentially, she would be the next one in line to go to space was kind of the thing. Okay. But she loved him so much that she did not end up doing that. Well, let's talk about your love life, Alexa. Um, And, yeah, you you might need a... a, a, Can I say you're drinking? Can I say you're drinking a a little bit of wine? Like, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, Yeah, we're adults. Um, But, hypothetically, because I do like to do hypotheticals on this from time to time. Say you find out... I'm not... I mean, who knows? Let's say my little brother's the, the guy that's going to be your, your Prince Charming or you're going to stay with him for the rest of your life. Who right. I, who knows? This is just pure, Okay. okay. Yeah. Right, you get it. Make your statement. The, the statement is, is let's say 
I don't know. You find out that there's a bunch of bad genetics in his bloodline and things like that. But you're like, I love his brain and that he likes Mario and uh, likes Planet of the Apes and, you know, also yeah. does uh, stuff with your dog, Stitch, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the, it's not even really a hypothetical. It's just, I guess I'm asking you, how, how important are human genetics to you? And, like, yourself. Um, I very much believe in, like, the nature over... Or, nature versus nurture. But I think that nurture can really make changes. Um, because, in all reality, we're not raising cattle here. If my child is not 100% perfect in terms of genetics, that's not going to, going to impact my bottom line. We are not making money off of children. Yeah. So, for me, there are things that you can work through. Like, what are we... I'm, like, five feet tall. So, what, my kid's going to be short? Mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm short. Yeah. And, I mean, if maybe if he had a marker that was like, oh, your kid is 100% going to get a life-threatening illness that will kill them by the age of five. That would be different than... Oh, you have an instance of mental health disorder, or you have a very low risk of colon cancer. Like, you know, yeah. it, it's very <clears throat> situational for me. Well, and also, how much do we know, if we know anything, do we know if genetics, like, plays a factor in, like, the personality, like, the soul of somebody, like, what makes them them outside of their health and their, you know, their biology? I mean, does that play a part? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, obviously it does, because if you have mental health issues or if you have a physical health problem, that's going to really change your personality. Right. Um, also, we are just sometimes predisposed to things. We've seen an example I love to use is service dogs. We can yeah. uh, test temperament, and you can predict temperament in puppies based on the genetics what is of their te- What is temperament, just to clarify? Like their behavior, like how they're going to do in Mm -hmm. high pressure situations how they're going to behave towards people if they're going to like people if they're going to be dog friendly that sort of thing like just kind of an overarching like personality people aren't supposed to touch the service dogs right outside of the the owner right correct because i i feel like i've seen that happen sometimes where like there's a service dog and someone tries to pet it yeah i i I always kind of like i get a little annoyed when i see it i'm just like "Mm, you're not supposed to do that you're also not supposed to distract them and no. direct eye contact with a service dog also counts as distracting. I just want to make you're that You're supposed clear. to look at them in the eye? No. That, yeah, that that's a whole other tangent if you want to get me on that. But I'm very protective of people with service dogs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, any sort of distracting of service dogs. I'm glad you guys came here for a podcast about movies. And now we're talking about service <laughs> dogs. So, uh, yeah, don't distract service dogs in public. And you're not allowed to ask a person what kind of disability they have that warrants the need for a service dog. Okay, well, first off, even outside of a service dog, I would I would find it pretty offensive if somebody just, well, actually, you know, I'm going to share a personal story. Yeah, you yeah. share a personal story. Yeah, why not? Go you know, this, this is, this is, you know, just authentic right that's that's what we do that's what i try to do uh so yeah okay okay yeah i'll i guess i guess i'm gonna admit this on the podcast whatever uh so at a very young age i was uh diagnosed with asperger's syndrome i don't know if i've ever told you this or tommy's ever told you this or anything like this but it's a long story i'm not going to get into it on on this uh but you know it's uh 
it's interesting because I did actually have a moment, this was a long time ago, where I was at a wedding reception, and I don't remember where or whose wedding, but I was at a wedding reception, it was one of my mom's friends, probably a co-worker or something like that, and we were sitting, like, they. I, I remember the wedding reception was in a barn. Okay. It was in a barn, it was like kind of a country-style wedding, obviously, because it's in a barn, and uh, we're, I'm sitting uh, with my older brother, Jared, and we're... I don't know, just eating some food and my mom's talking with the adults you know we're still kids yeah you know and one of my mom's co-workers I, I don't remember who it was but she came up to us and she's just like oh like hey like are you you must be Linda's boys you know and blah 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 and like I was like oh like yeah and I was like you know like that's Jared I'm Jordan she's like oh you're you're the one with Asperger's aren't you yeah that's like cool. she she did that and like I just remember I was, I'd never had anybody that, like, labeled me, like, so blatantly as that. Like, I've had my issues before where, like, people would find out and then, like, I would get treated differently. Because I I actually, like, get very, I I, I have a passion for people not being mistreated that are labeled to a certain way. I'm not trying to get all super serious. But I just remember, like, when that happened, I was like, why on earth would you go up to somebody and just be like, like that'd be like me like going up to like somebody that like struggles with diabetes and just being like oh you're diabetic right did you take your insulin today like yeah Yeah. oh you're the guy without a leg right yeah like very okay i yeah i just i remember the whole thing happened and i i don't want to get too off track but i just remember the whole thing happened and my brother like i think he actually stood up for me at the time like he was like uh like what like that's rude like yeah. i think he was like he probably was like maybe like 13 14 yeah. at the time like what are you gonna say as a 13 year old to an adult i don't know yeah, but that's a that's a hard situation no but i i what what were you saying before this because i, I want to it was about service dogs it was not no 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 i just temperament like, and nature versus asking nurture. no you were talking about asking somebody like if they had a disability oh yeah or something there's like that. there's a certain rule um so the americans with disabilities act basically is, yes. is what outlines what you can and can't do so like yeah. for business owners it's extremely important to know what you can and can't ask about a service dog because service dogs are legally allowed to go anywhere yeah outside of food processing facilities so like they cannot go into a kitchen like, you know, at a restaurant, and they also cannot go into, like, you know, a packing plant, a meat packing plant. But those are, like, basically right. the only two places. So as a business owner, um, if someone walks in with a service dog and you say, is that a service dog? And they say yes, you cannot ask them, what kind of disability do you have that warrants you to have a service dog? That's not a question that you're allowed to, you're legally not allowed to ask that question, <clears throat> and they are, the service dog handler is not required to answer that's 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 very interesting. I mean, it's, it's valid. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people see service dogs differently, but I really encourage people to look at service dogs like a piece of medical equipment, like a wheelchair. Someone yeah. comes into a place, you're not going to say, why do you need that wheelchair? I would hope not. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. the same thing. But obviously, since it's a living animal, people are going to be weird. People are going to look at it. People yeah. are going to make us think about it. Oh, I'm allergic. I'm whatever. Well, I think it's interesting that animals can even be utilized that way. Yeah. And I think it's positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't... I mean, I don't know if the animal's happy doing that, if, if that's a thing or not. If animals can be happy doing that. But they seem, they seem the ones that are trained properly. 
you know, they seem like they're okay. I mean, honestly, service dogs are probably living better lives lives than 90% of pet animals in yeah. America, in my opinion. Now, I'll bring up one more thing about uh, service dogs. I, I think to an extent, I mean, this is a little dark, and, and then we're going to we're gonna tie it back into Gattaca and, okay. and, 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 and start to wrap this up. <laughs> Uh, but but no, I, I I've this is good this is good conversation. I, I like a lot of the things that we've talked about here, um, but but to to tie it into the service dog thing. Okay. Um, now, when my grandmother passed away, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sorry, I'm I'm, br- I'm bringing up death, guys. It's you know, life. Um, when she passed away, we uh, we went to a funeral home and uh, she she wanted to be cremated and she hadn't been cremated and. Anyway, so we're at the funeral home, and I just remember they had a, I think, maybe they labeled it as, like, a comfort dog. Yeah, like a therapy dog. A therapy dog. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the one, a therapy dog. And it was, uh, I, I, I'm very, very bad with dog breeds. Um, if I saw a picture of it, I'd probably recognize it. But I guess it doesn't matter what breed it was. The point is, is that I, it was the first time that I had seen that example of like oh it's not just like someone like a dog for the blind like there's yeah. a dog that is literally there to comfort people when someone has lost a loved one and the dog was i remember i mean it was just out there you know like in the open it had its own bed it was very yeah. well groomed and taken care of and i know like me and my brother like we asked like you know what is this and they're like they're like this is we'll, we'll call it benji um this is like benji the the comfort dog like he's there for like when like kids or you know kids especially gravitate towards it but i i i just remember thinking it was really interesting that you know outside of a you know a blind person or something like that that there could that animals could be used to um to help somebody when they're when they're grieving over a loved one but Mm -hmm. then the fact that they can be trained that way too because i think there is like a specific training that goes into that yeah yeah so stitch is actually registered as a therapy dog is he yes he is and he has some unique problems because he doesn't like adults right but he loves Wait, wait, wait he doesn't like adults he's okay with adults but he doesn't gravitate towards them like he does children you've probably he gravitates towards kids he loves kids Okay, I have never seen him yes. around a kid, yeah, so I can't say that. Yeah, obviously you've never seen him no, around kids, no, no, no. but he loves children. And so what we did when I was in high school was we actually did a dog safety course with um, students at elementary schools in my school district because we were having a problem with dog bites in the area because kids were running up to dogs that they didn't know, trying to pet them or okay. pet them inappropriately. Okay. And so <clears throat> part of his, um, you know, he was obviously trained and had to pass a test to be a certain... Uh, a therapy dog. Yeah, to be clear, yeah. he's not a service dog. Um, a therapy dog. But that's a very unique thing. He wasn't just going and sitting around. You see dogs on, like, college campuses being, you know, therapy dogs. They just sit there and be pet while people, mm-hmm. you know, are stressed about finals or whatever. Um, he was actually doing something very specific. We were having kids come up. They would say, hi, can I please pet your dog? And I would give a scenario like either, no, he's not friendly. And they would have to be like, okay, I understand and walk away. Or I could say, yes, he's friendly. And we taught them how to properly approach and pet a dog to try and reduce the incidence of bite. Mm -hmm. So that's like a very weird scenario. There's also a lot of places like nursing homes where the people are not mobile enough to interact with the dogs. So they'll be therapy dogs, but they're more trick dogs. And they'll do a show where they like... You know, they bounce on their owner's back or they jump through a hoop or whatever yeah. because the, the elderly people are not mobile enough to get down and pet the dog or whatever. 
So there's very different areas where, where animals can excel, but still bring kind of, you know, comfort to people. Hmm. And they may not be to the level of a service dog. Like Stitch would not do well being a service dog 12 hours a day, but he does enjoy doing intense work for like an hour or two. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's very not super related to Gattaca, but it's okay. I yeah. always, well, I always tell, I always tell people on this too. It's like, you know, I don't care if the subjects like veer off super hard from the movie. They still yeah. came from the movie. We yeah. got to this point, you know, and we, you know we what, got here. What is also in one of the movies? <clears throat> What's that? Uh, animals are in Over the Hedge. They're not in Gattaca, right? Not, not in Gattaca. I don't think there's animals in there. I don't believe so. Mm, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't think there's a single. I don't. I can't think of a single animal in Gattaca. But there's no. quite a few animals in Over the Hedge. Yes. Also, there's a fan theory in Over the Hedge that the main female character that is that's an, a person uh -huh. is the woman, the main love interest from the B movie. The one with Jerry Seinfeld. Yes, they think that. Oh, I can't remember her name. Hmm. The woman that the bee falls in love with. I'm going to find out. Yeah. Fill, fill the air while I look at People this think that she, the one with the big Pixar badonkadonk or, you know when the they- The big Pixar, you're, what? No, you know what I'm talking about? People, <laughs> Vanessa Bloom. Is this the love yes. interest of Barry B. Benson? Yes, because, okay. spoiler alert, Barry B. Benson dies in the movie or something. Like Jerry Seinfeld dies? Is that the- no, no, this, no, I, no. He, I, forgive me. I saw a B movie once. I remember almost, Chris Rock's in it. Like. He almost dies. He gets assaulted. The B gets assaulted. Okay. And she has to save him. I see. But anyway, I don't think the name of the woman, the female character in Over the Hedge is ever disclosed. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what is this? <laughs> don't look. I'm not going to read that on this one. This one? This one down this? here? Yeah. What the heck? What is that, like, Rule 34 or whatever? Uh, maybe. I mean, this is saying as characters from the B-movie as your favorite Olive Garden order. That, I don't okay, I don't even know what that means. But, no, basically... What the hell? Yeah, so she falls in love with a bee. I don't know if you remember that. I know, no, I do remember this now. I mean, I realize this is a totally different... What the heck is going on? Yeah, no, so she falls in love with the... Right, because she stands up for the bee because her boyfriend is really... Allergic. How can you fall in love with a bee? I don't know. And she talks to the bee. But anyway, people, people, there's this fan theory that she is one of the women in the Over the Hedge because they don't ever explicitly name the people in Over the Hedge. Um, yeah, it would be, it would be hard. Yeah, see, now they're going to talk about, that's iCarly. Yeah, I don't know why that, I don't know why that came up. Yeah, that, you know, that's just a fan theory, and I have not seen the movie recently enough to remember if she does look like that, but they blow up her house. They do? Yeah. Like, the animals, like, blow up the house in Over the Hedge. You know, I'll, One just, of the houses. I'll just say, okay, fan theories, I've never, like, really, like, dived into some of them. Sometimes, like, probably in, like, a YouTube video or yeah. something where I'm like, ah, like, that's, that's kind of interesting to think about, but... And I'm not judging you, like, out there, like, anybody out there that's come up with a fan theory, like, cool, I guess, but... Alexa, I don't know if you've seen some fan See, theories. See, people think that this is her, okay, but wait. like years later. You're, you're this picture of the... 
Yeah, the angry... No. Oh. Because then they blow up her hair, right? And she looks crazy. Okay. People think this is the same person because she's got the same body type, but she's just older and angrier. I see. More angry. Hmm. Same amount of badonkadonk. What does badonkadonk mean? Why don't you, why don't you clarify that? <laughs> clarify for the audience. It yeah. means butt. Butt. Yeah, like your butt and hips. Have you ever seen... um? Incredibles. Uh, yeah. She has a huge badonkadonk. Elasta woman or Elasta Elasta girl. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember her, like, normal name. I just remember that she has a southern accent, kind of. Yes, or Pixar. Um, the mom from Toy Story. Yes. Huge ass. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I... If you look up Pixar moms, the second thing that comes up is Uh dump truck. (laughs) <laughs> are you for real yeah pixar moms dump truck uh, and it has okay <laughs> look at that uh yeah i the, the hips don't lie isn't that what uh, oh my god is what that is that is, one from that's bo peep from that is not an yes, act, is, is that an actual shot that's, that's not photoshopped or anything no and okay like like what what is like she has a huge ass DreamWorks yeah. gave, Disney gave us memories, DreamWorks gave us memes, and Pixar gave us thick moms. Uh, well. Thick moms. Who, I don't even know what movie I, that is. Is, but, this, is it Brave? Because I just see like red, no, red hair. No, Um. But like this woman, even the, yeah. the chick with no skin. Okay. The, the mom from, or the grandma from Bugs Life. You the grandma? Yeah, she's thick. Yeah, I guess so. What? Uh, that is not that's real. What is that? What is that? That's got to be I, fake. There is no way. I think that's a screenshot from uh, the B movie, but obviously edited. If, I, I was going to say that, but the, you're not wrong on the Mrs. Incredible thing or Last this, Girl. This is what it actually looks like. Okay, because I was going to say, I'm like, okay, like, come on, it's Pixar. They're not going to. Yeah, no. But, yeah, Pixar but, really loves their women with big butts, dump truck ass. <laughs> Okay, hang on. I, I this is this is actually no, this is actually an interesting thing to talk about. Uh, just for, just for a moment here. I find this interesting. Now I don't want to go too deep on this because uh, it, it'd be very easy to. But animated characters, females in particular. Yeah. Now I don't. I assume there's probably some female concept artists or artists that that draw these stuff up, but. Presumably, I'm going to, let's just say hypothetically it's males that are doing it. Okay. Like, I mean, is it, is it sexist or is it, is it bad that they're like, like, is there like some like weird subconscious sex appeal that they're trying to draw into these characters or is like, they're just like, well, we want the character to be beautiful because it's a woman. Like, like, do you understand what I'm? Yeah. Let me ask you. You went over to your buddy's house when you were nine. This is a hypothetical? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Were you looking at his mom and being like, damn, she has a nice ass? When I'm a nine-year-old, no. No. Yeah. So then why? Because a lot of these movies, like, I specifically think of Toy Story. Yes. Toy Story, Andy's mom progressively gets hotter and hotter as the movies go on. I would, I guess I'm going to have to go back and be a creep and, and look because I... I don't recall. Well, have you seen the animation from the original Toy Story? I mean, I've seen the original Toy Story. Yeah, yeah. there's some plot holes in physics and other things. I'm that, sure. Yeah. You know, some errors. It was the first, what was it, the first digitally animated movie ever? Uh, like 3D animated movie. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Anyway, 
but she progressively gets hotter. So maybe that is a statement on where things are going hmm. in time. Right. But also, a lot of these movies were made in like the you know the early to mid two thousands. These yeah, these classic. Yeah, but like, how much has that has changed? Yeah, like, but but the other thing is, a lot of these movies are for children. And children are not thinking about peop- women's bodies in that way. So why yeah. why are we... And then, in turn, mm-hmm. then why are not all of the men in those movies absolutely jacked and ripped and have a, you know, a tight ass? Like, what... That's the thing that confuses me. So yeah. I would not be surprised if there was a if there was some kind of a bias on, on how people, like, you know, choose to get animated like that. Because the same thing honestly happens in video games. Oh, and, and, yeah. And actually, in video games, it's way worse. I mean, honestly. Yeah, let me wear two nipple rings with uh, strength XP of 5,000. <laughs> like, what? That makes zero sense. Have you seen this in a game? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of, like, the memes online. Granted, I don't play that many video games that would yeah. warrant, like, armor. But... No, you like the Super Mario games. Yeah. But, it, like, women, yeah. from what I've seen thus far, it's, like, they're wearing, like, a super tight corset with, like, steel bra and, yes. like, you know, really tight leggings. I'm, like, because yeah. what? When someone comes at you with a sword, that's going to protect you? I know one thing I could say about that. I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to say this is a good movie, but I do remember when they did the uh, reboot of Jumanji and the Karen, uh, Karen Gillian character, the red-haired girl... There's a comment because, like, she's wearing, like, a very low-cut t-shirt, showing a lot of skin, and blah, yeah. blah, blah, and, like, they're just like, is that, like, you're, like, like how is that comfortable, or blah, 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 like, they, they make some type of a comment about it, you yeah. know, but, you know, it, it, and this is a very, this is a very broad conversation, just because you could apply this to video games, or to film, or whatever, yeah. uh, w- women in general have been sexualized for advertisement for long long time oh. i mean sex sells let's yeah. just be real and i think it does. you can kind of take that back to gattaca because if you think of uma thurman's character yeah basically they allude to the reason that she wasn't at the same level as jerome mm-hmm. also vincent was because she was a woman okay the the boss was kind of obviously sexist and was basically kind of alluding to well your genetics are fantastic but you're also a woman Yes. And that that factored into part of the reason why he thought that she would not be on the same level yeah. as Vincent or Jerome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. <laughs> but that's what I think is ultimately the, the lingering question, and, and I'll, ra- I'll wrap this up with, with leaving the audience with this question, is kind of what we've been talking about off and on throughout this episode, is like how much does genetics really play as part of an importance of a of like of like what makes up a person but then also like there's that factor that you just talked about with women mm-hmm. and you know sexism and equality because that's race but it i guess you like you could still say it's tied yeah. into genetics but right. it's just i think it's very interesting when uh, and gattaca does a good job of making you really dissect a human like every part of what makes a human human and it's like okay like where does how much of it outweighs the other i don't know if i'm saying that right yeah but and, and how much does it really matter because yeah i will jump ahead if you've gotten this far i mean yep kudos to you but at the very end of the movie, if you've not seen Gattaca and you don't want it to be spoiled, I'm spoiling it right now. At the yeah, that's end, okay. At the end of the movie, Jerome, the real Jerome, kills himself. 
Yeah, I do remember because that. Because he no longer feels like he's worth anything in the world that has been created because he, if people knew that he was paralyzed, would be labeled as invalid. Great point. He kills himself because the only thing he has to offer is helping Vincent get to space. And once Vincent is on the spaceship getting mm-hmm. to space, he has no purpose. So that's why he kills himself. It's very... There's so many. There's so many more things we could say on this, and 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 I would I would love to have you back if you actually enjoyed this <laughs> this yeah, whole experience. Yeah, I mean, we really didn't talk about the movie at we, all. We talked. Bye. We talked about it here and there. Go it's, watch Gattaca for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Go watch Gattaca. I, I mean, I do, I do, I do recommend it. But what I was gonna comment just about what you said of the, yeah. the you know, the character, um, uh, Jerome Jude Law. You know, he does commit suicide in the movie. Yeah. Um. I think it's always very, very interesting when you actually take a look at what makes a person feel a sense of worth. Yeah. Because some people attribute that to money. Some people attribute it to their job, their loved ones. Uh, I don't know. Uh, their physicality, I guess. Like if they really feel like they're good looking, you know, they yeah. might attribute some wealth oh, yeah. to that. You know, that's what models do, I guess. You know, that's how they make a living. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, anyway, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I will leave the audience thinking about that. Think about what makes you feel worth. I mean, I, that's a big question. I don't even know if I have a good answer for it myself. It's probably a combination of things. I can't say it's black and white. Um, do you know what makes you feel worth, Alexa? <sighs> Definitely being on this podcast. Yes. Yeah, it makes me feel a personal sense of worth. That's cool. Because your voice about, matters. Yeah, my voice matters. And talking about Over the Hedge and Steve Carell's wonderful performance in that film makes me feel worthy. I am glad that that's... Huge fan of Hammy. Hu- that's huge Steve fan. Carell's squirrel character? Yes. Mm-hmm. We will be watching that film this evening. I'm fine with that. Good. Sure. That... I'm upset that you didn't watch it before this. Yeah, I had a... I mean, I'll call it a busy day. I had to do some man stuff. Oh, man my, to- my toilet was on the fritz. I hate when that happens. Yeah, I did have to have like an actual like guy come over and like help me like fix it. Like I, I failed with YouTube. So you didn't do the man stuff. You. I watched and then I also did assist, but I can't say I did all of it myself. You no. had a man teach you how to do stuff. As best I could. Okay. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, but so that's a whole other conversation. Like, of like, is a guy a guy if like they can fix shit? Like, yeah. if, like, does that make a guy a guy? That's I, tough. I Thomas so. struggles with that too, so I understand. Well, we never. I mean, think. I mean, his dad never really taught him stuff. Like, not that I can think of. Though I think he must have some uh, mechanics, just given his profession, which I won't say. But, um, that's that's not for here to talk no. about. No. Okay. Any any you. any last thoughts? Any last thoughts or things that you would like to say to the people? Mm, go watch Gattaca. Uh, Do they have to watch Over the Hedge? Watch it if you're if you're a person that um, likes to partake in recreational drugs. Definitely add this to your list of <sighs> things to to view if you like recreational drugs. I am personally not someone that likes recreational drugs, but I think if you did. Uh-huh. This would be one to watch. It's pretty good. And also, don't look service dogs in the eye. That would be my three main takeaways. Three main yeah. takeaways from one, this podcast. One, two, three. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, 
You heard it here. <laughs> Don't look service dogs in the eyes if you're into uh, recreational illegal, uh, drugs, yeah. yeah, recreational illegal narcotics. Uh, you apparently could could get Do some. That. Yeah. While watching I, Over the Hedge. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And what was the other one again? There go was, watch Gattaca. Oh, and go watch Gattaca. That's a great movie. Yeah. In fact, this is my very last point on this, is that a movie like Gattaca, I do like movies like this because of the discussion that we're having right now. Because it is very easy to talk about um, some of the morality of the movie subject matter. Yeah. And talk about it broadly, because I think it actually is interesting. Like, and oh and gosh, it's actually informative. We didn't even discuss that Uma Thurman takes his hair without his permission and go gets his DNA genotype. I forgot about we that. We forgot about that, but that was a huge violation of privacy. And that's just kind of another thing we could have talked about, which we're not going to. But no. um, that's a big part of the movie that I, you know, I'm sorry I, I missed that discussion. But that's another big one. It's okay. I think this is just going to make people go back and check out Gattaca. Yeah, you need to watch Gattaca. Yeah. It's a great movie. Absolutely. Okay. That's going to wrap it up for the episode. So, Alexa, thanks for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Hopefully it was a lively conversation. Yeah, and I got a bottle of wine out of it, so. That, yeah, 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 absolutely. Come on the podcast. You Come get, on the you podcast. Get, you get um, a drink of your choice. Mine just happened to be wine. I, you know, it's... So I'm trying to think as I, I don't know how many people I've had on this. I, I have had a few and it's not like I like am like, hey, like, you know, you listen to this. I'm going to, you know, get you trashed. Like it's it's not yeah. like that. But there's been a few people I've had on where I don't know. I mean, like how many people actually like do you know that actually do a podcast like legitly? And so it's, I, I just feel like a lot of the people I've had on this, it's kind of out of their comfort zone yeah. a little bit. So well, like, I want people to feel comfortable. It doesn't have to be alcohol. If it would have been no. nine in the morning, I would have been like, give me, give me a Red Bull or something. Like, yeah. it, it's just something you have conversation with something. To I mean, there on. is a reason why they call these things a social lubricant. I'm sure yeah. you've heard the term because it makes people a bit more relaxed in themselves i mean lube is great in every situation so why not on a podcast um and with that we will end yeah <laughs> i i don't have a comment on that but that's okay anyways i appreciate everybody for coming by for, and giving this a listen uh i do want to say a plug uh just really really quick i i mentioned it at the end of the last episode but i am very excited that I'm going to be doing an episode soon on Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, I'm going to talk about this screening that I'm going to and getting the opportunity to meet the cast. I, I'm very, very excited to share that. I hope it's uh, a worthy uh, worthy story for the podcast. We'll, we'll see. But definitely be on the lookout for that episode. And, and yeah, that's it. I appreciate each and every one of you once again for being here. Uh, this is... You have been listening to ScreenSpeak. I never end the episodes like that, but you've been listening to ScreenSpeak. What's the title of this going to be? It should be Gattaca, mm -hmm. Recreational Drugs, and Dump Truck Pixar Moms. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I may, maybe I'll put it in the in the, in the description. You, know, you want me to talk about that?